Kemba Walker is making progress. That's good. Kevin Garnett might become the owner of the Timberwolves. How about that? And Danny Ainge scared straight in the 2015 draft. It's a Wednesday locked on Celtics. Millie, let's go. Rainy Jay's back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global, but it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hi, John Corrales here from MassLive.com. Welcome back. It's another Lockdown Celtics podcast. If you've listened to more than one this week, then you're a regular listener, and I really love you. Seriously, honestly, I love that you're doing that. I love that you're supporting the show. I love that you're still making it part of your daily routine. You are awesome. If this is your first time, I also love you. I love everybody. I'm a generally loving person. So I welcome all of the listeners in one big virtual hug Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. No, I have not had anything to drink. I'm not smoking anything. I'm just happy because we're a couple of days closer to basketball being back. Now, the standard way we start this show nowadays is how's Kemba Walker's knee? Well, Kemba Walker's knee seems to be going, uh, getting better. Brad Stevens says, quote, he's pretty darn close which is very Brad Stevens' way to say it, but he is pretty darn close. In fact, the every other day thing apparently seems to be gone, and Kemba's done something in every every one of the past few days, past five days. So that's a development. He seems to be moving well. He seems to be building up strength. However, it's possible, probable, most likely he's not going to play in that scrimmage on Friday, that first taste of NBA basketball since early March, mid-March, but he's making progress. So nothing to belabor there. Kemba Walker taking steps forward. We also heard from Marcus Smart, and I want to just get this in because it's an important thing. This is part of what the social justice side of what the players are trying to do. Uh, Marcus Smart sat down. We told, hey, you're getting Marcus Smart today. Great. I actually had a basketball question from Marcus Smart today, but the he sat down and said, hey, you know, everything you ask me, I'm just going to say justice for Brianna Taylor. So it was, you know, you got to respect that these guys are still sticking to their stance and they're not letting basketball become a distraction. I just started the show saying, hey, I'm excited. I'm happy that basketball is coming back. And that can be, that can have a tendency to be a little bit of a distraction, but Marcus sat down, said, before we start, guys, my answer is going to be justice for Breonna Taylor. That's going to be my answer to everything. Just letting you guys know justice for Breonna Taylor. And that was it. They, it was a minute and a half. Uh, if I have anything, any criticism at all, I said, I wish he would have expanded on that. And, but that's his own choice. Just for me personally, I wish he would have said, I, justice for Brianna Taylor, and maybe said a few more things. Why? What? What is justice for Brianna Taylor? Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to ask any questions. I wasn't able to ask the follow up. I wish I could have, but the uh, if there was anything I wanted more, but 
I respect for Marcus Smart for taking this opportunity, take a stance, and still make that be the story. If you're going to do a story on Marcus Smart, it's the fact that he said to everything, justice for Breonna Taylor. He's not the only one who's done it. He's not the only player who's taken advantage of one of these uh, availabilities to spread a social justice message. Uh, Jalen Brown said it the other day. He sat down after he was excused. I played it the other day on the podcast on Monday. If you missed that, listen to that. But this is something continuing with the theme of what they're trying to do. So shout out to Smart, shout out to Jalen, shout out to these guys for continuing to press this cause. It's important to them and it's the right thing for them to do. Um, and even I, as a, a person who had a question and was not going to get it answered, you know, that's, I have respect for how he did it. And this is going to be, this is going to be part of the, the way, uh, these players conduct themselves in the bubble. And I think this is going to be something that we have to accept as part of the bigger picture to say, they're going to use this availability to further a message. And that's, that's fine with me. Another news item coming out of the Tuesday news cycle, the Minnesota Timberwolves are up for sale. Glenn Taylor putting the team up for sale, apparently asking $1.2 billion after buying the team for $88 million in 1995. He paid $88 million and is getting $1.2 billion or looking for $1.2 billion. The team was valued at almost $1.4 billion. And uh, he's going to get it. And he might get it from Kevin Garnett and his assembled ownership group. This is going to be an interesting scenario. Now, I'll, as I talk about it here, I want to drive you to the Wednesday Locked on NBA podcast where Jake Madison and I had a, an in-depth, a little more in-depth discussion about KG and his group trying to buy the Timberwolves. I think it'll be awesome. Uh, and I think, and, and Jake's, Jake and I talk about this, that Kevin Garnett has set himself up to, to really be a hero in Minnesota. But, um, I, I hope that, I hope that the whole thing is done right. I hope that he can go in there. And whatever percentage that he owns, that he understands what a good owner, team owner does. And the best owners are, are, are somewhat hands-off or very hands-off, and they trust their, their people. And I, I'm very curious to see how Kevin Garnett would be as a team owner or a minority owner as far as his stake would. I don't know if he's going to be able to pony up half a billion dollars. I don't know what he's got lined up, saved up somewhere, but uh, I don't think he's going to be able to have a majority stake, but who knows? I don't know how that, that group is assembled. So go to locked on NBA. Jake and I have a, a longer discussion on this, but wouldn't it be cool to see Kevin Garnett as one of the team owners? That would be really cool. Can you imagine those board of governors meetings, him, Michael Jordan, Grant Hill is going to be in those. I mean, come on, get Shaq in those. I mean, that, that'll that shake up the old boys club up there, wouldn't it? When we come back from the break, we'll get back into the 2015-16 season. That is, uh, there, there's a lot more to talk about uh, with that, the Justice Winslow pursuit. On a day where Justice Winslow 
hurt himself again and is now out again and is going to miss the rest of this restart, we're going to talk about Mike Dynan from RedsArmy.com and I are going to talk about Danny Ainge almost pushing all his chips in for Justice Winslow. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about David Lee. Oh, God, David Lee. And the beginnings of the first of two special seasons for Isaiah Thomas. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Because this draft did, uh, I think it did scare Danny Ainge straight. And if, <laughs> if it wasn't like for this draft, we might not have, um, and, and look, before I continue that thought, I know if thing, if this had draft had gone away, Danny Ainge wanted it to at the time, there wouldn't have been a Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum to even consider trading. But it was because of that pursuit of Justice Winslow that I think Danny Ainge was scared straight into like, you know what? I'm not going to get caught up in this, um, this, this constant adding of assets. Like in that moment, he was getting bled like he had bled the Nets. And, yes. and he was ready to give up basically everything for Justice Winslow. Um, a basket full of draft picks. And Justice Winslow is a decent player, but obviously hurt all the time. But would he have gotten hurt in Boston? Maybe, maybe not. Would he have played better in Boston? Maybe, maybe not. Hard to say. Different teams, different situations, different coaches. Hard to say what how it would have gone. But I still feel pretty good at saying, like, if Danny Ainge had made that trade, I don't think it would have ended well for Danny Ainge. And the entire course of Celtics history obviously is so radically different to the point where, is it fair to wonder if Danny Ainge even has his job now in Boston, if he makes that trade, trading away all those picks for Justice Winslow and Winslow flames out and the Celtics' entire future now is is thrown away, I, I mean, at that point, think about what, what's happened after that. Isaiah Thomas gets hurt. Does he still have that hip issue? Feels like that hip issue would be something that comes up at some point in his career this there's no there's no concurrent plan like we'd seen where they made the the plan with Isaiah and then um with Al Horford and then making the move for Kyrie but then still making those picks and having Tatum and and Brown kind of developing underneath as a secondary plan like we don't get this level of where the Celtics are if the Celtics make that trade and, and I really do wonder if, if Danny Ainge survives this long. Yeah, that's, that's a distinct possibility that it all could have gone South and, you know, without the Jays, if, if we didn't end up with uh, J 
Jalen Brown, J- Jason Tatum, it would have been the anti-Brooklyn trade. Uh, Danny would have given everything back, like you said, and <clears throat> yeah, it could have could have all um, started to come unraveled. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of weird to think about it. Like, um, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I don't want to think about it either. And and Danny Ainge kind of came out of that that night was like, um, I almost made a big mistake. Like, <laughs> it, it's almost like he was committing towards like a a Vegas marriage that uh, he got lucky that she ran out on him because the whole way down, he was like, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I shouldn't do this. And she's like, Nope, I'm not doing this. And he's like, okay, phew. Because I probably would have still done it. And then I would have really regretted it. I feel like that's how he came out of this. But then I do think that experience, like when you come around to Jalen Brown being talked about in the San Antonio looking to trade Kawhi Leonard and Jalen Brown is in that, conversation and people at the time were like what are you why wouldn't you trade Jalen Brown for Kawhi Leonard and then you get to Jason Tatum as part of the talks for Anthony Davis and with with Anthony Davis saying like I we I don't want to go to Boston don't don't trade for me you're going to lose me and so Danny Ainge d- didn't even pull the move that some people were saying like you know what you do it, you get him here, it doesn't matter because once he's here, it's going to be hard for him to go off and sign somewhere else. Once he's here, you're going to have the bird rights, you're going to have the chance to pay him his money, and then you can convince him with the banners and the atmosphere and all of that stuff. He didn't do that. And I do, I honestly believe that you go back to this Justice Winslow situation and Danny Ainge, because he threw caution to the wind and still Michael Jordan didn't bite. Uh, I think he's less, less likely to throw caution to the wind. And that's why we still have Jalen Brown and why we still have Jason Tatum in situations where they, they might be traded by other GMs. There's so many possibilities and scenarios and, you know, the sliding doors. Uh, one door opens, do you go through it or not? And whatever you do is going to determine what happens next. And it's, uh, it's a little crazy to think about that maybe we wouldn't have what is there now in terms of the, the roster and the, the potential and the hope that they can turn it on. And if the season goes ahead and finishes up, maybe the Celtics have an actual chance to win another championship. Yep. Uh, we wouldn't have been here probably if it had all, uh, gone down differently on that draft night. Yeah. And certainly Danny's, we've laughed about his transaction page on basketballreference.com and it calms way down after that. Way down. It definitely There's does. There's hardly any more trades on there. It's mostly just signings of free agents and draft picks. He does make one more trade though. And oh yes. It, yes. Uh yes. Well, the one I'm talking about here is Chris Babb and Gerald Wallace to Golden mm-hmm. State for David Lee. That's the one I meant too. Okay, great. Yeah. Um <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> it didn't work out that well. 
But so, at the time, it sounded good. It, so one of one thing I will distinctly remember with this, I mean, it's a nothing trade. You're like Gerald Wallace, Chris Babb, like they, they, you know, Wallace was done. Um, you, they, they pick up David Lee. I remember in the preseason, and I was doing this podcast. We're at a point now in Celtics history where this podcast now exists. And I'm talking on this podcast. I was talking to Jay King on this podcast about David Lee. And we were in agreement in that preseason. We're like, wow, you know, David Lee is showing that you can kind of run him out of the high post and dump it into him in the high post. And you can run an offense through David Lee. And we were convinced after the preseason that, the Celtics had an opportunity to run an offense through David Lee in the high post, get Isaiah Thomas kind of moving off of screens and stuff like that, and just let let things kind of flow through David Lee and see how it goes. And in the preseason, it felt good. It felt like it was going to work. <laughs> preseason. It's always the fool's gold in preseason. I tell you what, like when you, like that, that preseason really, when you talk about getting scared straight, like I just did with, with Danny Ainge, David Lee scared me straight. I was like, you know what? I'm not buying anything I see in preseason anymore. I'll talk about it as a positive thing that I see, but now I've, I've been that beat into my head a very healthy dose of skepticism over what happens in preseason NBA, um, I was, I was taken for a fool. <laughs> I also remember calling him Derek Lee, the former Cubs yeah. first baseman. Uh, the, yeah, they gave you a hard time about that, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, I mean. Why? <laughs> it was, it was with Jay King. Of course he's going to break your balls. Oh yeah, of course, of course, of course. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. The David Lee, I mean, he didn't even last the full season. They bought him out at, right. before the deadline and, and let him walk. Um, and he actually went to Dallas. I want to say that he went to Dallas and did kind of well in his, in his Dallas. Cause he went there and played 32. Uh, no, wait. He played 25 games. All of a sudden, his field goal percentage went from 45% in Boston to 63.6% in, in Dallas. His, um, he averaged, well, I mean, he wasn't playing much, but like he averaged seven rebounds in Dallas to 4.3 in Boston. He, and he was only playing two more minutes per game in Dallas. Um, Turnovers went down. I mean, it was just like, oh, okay. So he just didn't want to play here. That's what it was. And then he yep. played one more season and retired and, and was not really very effective in San Antonio either. But the, the time well, in Boston, Boston was just a horrible fit for him. As you remember, I'm sure, uh, he admitted after he left Boston that he was not in shape. Yeah. Uh, that was his problem. He came in not in shape, 
never actually got into shape, playing shape with the Celtics. And it was only after he got released and then made his way to Dallas that he, uh, took care of that and, you know, made up, made himself, um, more fit. And that was what helped him improve his results. Uh, so it was really, he kind of, uh, shortchanged the Celtics on that. Uh, he, he was making $15 million a year and he never even came close to, to showing the value that he should have. But, um, you know, also maybe the game pa- was passing him by because he was an inside player and now everything is a three point arc. Sure. Sure. Um, I might've said something like David Lee robbed the Celtics. Uh, <laughs> so you were a little more strong in your opinion than I just was. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. seem, I seem to recall, uh, back then when I was just merely a blogger and I could express some more. Hey, 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 take it easy about mere bloggers. Now. <laughs> Come on. I was but, you only know, he, a blogger. He was, he was a 10 year veteran. And this is not what you expect. You know, you expect more professionalism than that for somebody to come in and not be in shape and then let it affect their playing. Yeah, that 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 didn't sit well with me. Um, that did not sit well with me. So the regular season started and the Celtics uh, obviously couldn't get anything out of David Lee, not Derek Lee. <laughs> And um, they had to go a different direction, but that different direction is Isaiah Thomas as like the guy who took care of everything. Uh, the Celtics end up winning what 48 games that season, make the playoffs, steadily improving. Like th- we have to remember now, this is we're at a point now where the Celtics have they have Brad Stevens. They've only come off of the, the making the playoffs once for him. And this is going to be the second year for him in the playoffs. Um, and I feel like this is, this is like the beginning of the, this is like the real beginning of the Brad Stevens era. Like we're really starting to see him coach. We're really starting to see him truly succeed here. Uh, and he, this is his first winning record, uh, in Boston. Right. He, he was progressing as you had, as we would have hoped. And part of it was that the roster was more stable this season than it had been the past season. 17 players were under contract at different times in 2015 and 16, down from 22 the season before. And he wasn't having to deal with uh, the random guys who were acquired and then traded, you know, four weeks later, like Jameer Nelson or Shavlik Randolph. So he now had a core to work with. It was IT, Avery Bradley, Evan Turner, Jay Crowder, Jared Sollinger, uh, Amir Johnson, solid, you know. Sure. Not, most of these guys were not stars, but they were solid. And uh, he had young Kelly Olenek, Jonas Jerebko, and Marcus Smart. And although Smart could not throw it in the ocean from the pier, um, he was, you could see he was a solid player. All he had to do was figure out how to make some shots. 
and he brought so much else to the team. And actually, he's the only guy left from that season who's still on the team right now. But what they did was um, IT was still coming off the bench at the beginning of the season as a sixth man. And in game four, he became a starter, and he never looked back. Yeah, that was the, the big debate back then. And I remember this I, – I, I guess as I'm talking, I realize this podcast makes me look horrible because all I'm saying is <laughs> how fucking wrong I was about everybody. R.J. Hunter, <laughs> bust. Running, th- running it through David Lee, bust. Should we start Isaiah Thomas? No, I said no because yeah, um, it wasn't look, broken. Why fix it? Right. I mean, it was working for him, and it's like I was thinking, hey, look, if he's thriving off the bench, then let him operate off the bench, and you can start, you, you can start somebody else, and and he can come in and 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 finish the game. And I'm I'm a real big believer in that. When it doesn't matter who starts, like. And I know what it's what it means to start. I know how much it, it feels good to be out there at the beginning of a game. Like I know all of that, uh, but it also feels good to be on the floor at the end of the game. And we always knew that mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas was going to be on the floor at the end of the game. But I just said, hey, Isaiah Thomas has done well. It's working. He just led us to the playoffs last year, uh, coming off the bench. Why not? Why not just do this? Keep doing it, and and we'll figure something else out with the starting unit. But obviously, not really, uh, not really the way to go <laughs> because he started and started all but three games, like you said, this season that season, and became an all star for the yeah. first time in his career. So yeah. wrong again, John. <laughs> I won't hold it against you because I was saying the same thing. We'll continue the Isaiah Thomas discussion tomorrow. We'll also continue to look at the rest of the season and how this season sets the Celtics up for a very big summer. A a summer that changes a lot about this franchise, that changes a lot about how this franchise is viewed. And uh, it's it's all because of, or mostly because of, what happens over the course of this season. So that discussion continues tomorrow. The Celtics are off on Wednesday, so I won't have much in the way of updates, I don't think, tomorrow. But you never know. So subscribe. I'm going to be giving you the updates Monday through Friday. And then, look, Friday's basketball. So when we get back to things on Monday, I'll have a whole bunch to talk about. So subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, please follow on Spotify. That's a thing you can do as well. Those of you who have subscribed, the five-star rating, the good written review, awesome. I would love you for that as well. And uh, share the podcast. Tell your friends. You know, when people ask you what, you know, is there a good podcast out there for the Celtics, tell them the best podcast out there for the Celtics is the Lockdown Celtics podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.